0: You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week, so excited to have them on. A real friend of the podcast, he is the founder of Pop of Color, a music brand management agency. Pop of Color provides brand consultation and creative marketing services for musicians and our host runs a regular music advice blog on the pop of color website. You can find out more about his work by visiting www.popofcolor.com. And that's pop of color with a U for us here in the United States. We are happy to welcome back our friend Clarence Sharon onto the break the business podcast. How's it going? Hey, it's a pop of color agency.com. Is it or really? Pop- okay. Yeah. Oh. And, Oh, and like
1: our last time, cause this is my third annual <laughs> visit to your podcast. Um, I am, own pop of color with you and without a you
0: oh so you're you're helping out us uh us humble americans over here that are afraid of change (laughs) much appreciated and yes this is the third time we've had john and we can't have you on enough you always bring the great advice you are one of the few break the business guests clarence that can hold the claim to fame of actually doing an interview in the studio here in miami you came all the way down to miami we had you on the show it was amazing the ride there wasn't. I remember that. Oh my god, the trap! Well, <laughs> uh, go back to last year. Yeah. Well, you yeah. um, the two part series. Yeah. It was very hilarious. Yeah. Well, you'll be happened, or perhaps you'll be happy, or perhaps saddened to know that if you were driving around Miami right now, the traffic would be quite wonderful. Um, and unfortunately, that's because of everything that's going on in the world right now. And so I have to ask this obligatory question that we've been asking all the guests, uh, given this current state of the world. How are you? How is everything? Oof, okay. So it has been an absolutely
1: wild month and a half. So when everything first hit, um, basically I am the third domino to fall. So the first is the venues. All the venues, anywhere you can play music shut down. All the artists lose all their revenue. The artists who are my clients all pull out of the work we had planned and all the contracts and everything for the neck for the foreseeable future. So, I'm like, okay, <laughs> now what? So, my first thought was all right. Wh- let me restructure my budget and figure out where I can get what I need to get by cuz I was not I had predicted there would be an economic collapse, just not quite this soon. So, the First thing I was like, okay, well, you know, the easiest thing I can get without paying money for is food, because you can negotiate for food, you can barter for food. There's a reason when there's homeless people on the street and they ask for change, nice people are like, hey, I can't get, I don't have cash, but I can buy you a sandwich and a coffee. So I started bartering with my neighbors. I traded um, a tablecloth for some eggs and some other kitchen supplies. Um, Neighborhood buy and sell groups, as well as I went downtown and I hit up every mom and pop grocery store and asked them, Hey, do you have any produce? That's not pretty enough to sell because we waste a crazy amount of food in this society. So I felt I got a bag full of like slightly squished um, sandwiches and produce. And then I went to a Starbucks because I had a friend who worked at Starbucks and Starbucks, as I learned has a rule where they need to throw out like 25 to 32 pieces of food per day. If they throw out too much, more than that than 32. That means they didn't sell enough. If they throw out less than that, their corporate has this rule that that obviously means you didn't put enough on display and you could have sold more. So on the last day before everything shut down, I managed to get a hold of all the protein boxes, all their um, sandwiches from this one location. And I had them in my freezer. Anything that was uh, something I was allergic to or whatever, I swapped for other ingredients with my neighbors.
0: We always speak about the importance of resourcefulness in the music industry, and really, really just finding opportunities wherever you can. And boy, boy, have you just really exhibited that? That's that's insane. And, and We're so all we, creatives. We mean, might as well like channel that somewhere else. And boy, and boy, you bringing that creativity into into something else. That's that's incredible. And I mean, and and, and, and I'm so glad you're okay. I, I, I would have worried so, a lot about you. So that was the first step. The second step was
1: I need to find work where I can. Now, last year on a complete whim, I decided, hey, I'm going to get some training to be a PSW. That's a personal support worker. Essentially, what they do is they help people who are handicapped or elderly or um, unable to leave their home with daily duties, everything from cooking for them, cleaning their homes to helping them use the bathroom. Um, and I did that on a whim because I was like, hey, my parents aren't getting any younger. I'm a, It's a useful skill. Well, it did turn out to be useful because lots of the people on retirement with retirement homes and everything being um, super infectious, lots of the staff had to stay home. So I managed to like get a bunch of shifts. I'm not too full of myself to go from business to think I'm too good as a business owner to help my community. So I did that. And then I started getting COVID-19 symptoms. No. <laughs> No, yeah. after a- so I got tested, and because I'd been helping out as a PSW, I qualified as a healthcare worker, and g- g- managed to get seen right away. Um I'm pretty sure I had it, but luckily my test results came back negative. But I still was like sick for three weeks straight.
0: Oh my gosh! Was-
1: so this has been my roller coaster, but
0: I'm finally getting back in the thick of things. Well, oh my gosh! I'm well here I'm- to help wherever I can. I- I'm curious because. We've been talking a lot on the podcast and we've been sharing a lot of social media posts about some of the social programs that have emerged on the American side uh, to help people and help artists uh, through the COVID-19 pandemic and the support's sort of lackluster to say the least, but it's out there and we're trying to get the information out. But we don't speak as much about the Canadian side of things. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the programs that are existing for creatives out there during the pandemic in your country? Okay, so not
1: only is there a lot of them in terms of your neighborhood communities, so lots of community associations, lots of neighborhood associations, local food banks, et cetera, can help. There are lots of the artist unions, um, your local representation for, whether it be performing arts, people who work in the music industry, or ones, or just if you're if you also work in tech or sound there's probably something for you with your representation your your union a co- coalition of people who are who um usually talk to the government for your rights and for um being recognized and so on and so forth they've got resources they've got funds they can give out as well as that on the government side we recently had a update to the SERB benefit, SERB, C-E-R-B, Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. Essentially what it is, is if you, if it was first launched, and this is what protect, this is specifically meant for people who don't qualify for employment insurance. So if you're not, if you are a full-time artist, you're not getting a regular paycheck from being a waiter or working a nine to five, you aren't getting money taken off to EI you are completely self-employed this would be what you would qualify for. And at first um, what, what they said was that if you don't make a single penny for a month, you can, you qualify for $2,000 from the government. Um, They recently changed it to now, if you make less than a thousand dollars a month, you can still get that $2,000. So they expanded that benefit. They expanded that. So that's great because now, You're not doing anything under the table if you're getting money from your tip jars on your live streams or if you've got some royalties coming in or you're able to do any sync licensing or anything else in between this time.
0: That's really great. Yay, Canada. (laughs) Um, So I want to talk to you a bit about something else we've been bringing up in past episodes uh, during the pandemic, which is things that artists could be doing right now uh, now that they can't go out and tour. We're seeing a... A, a lot of artists shift toward live streaming, which I think is a welcome development because I always want to encourage more artists to go into live streaming, and it's unfortunate that this is the reason why they have to get into it, but here we are. And you had a really great blog article recently in the Pop of Color blog where you interviewed Twitch musician Melissa Lamb and got some advice from her on how to live stream effectively on that platform. Were there any good nuggets of advice from that article that you could share with the listeners? Um, What I always found super interesting about
1: twitch is though it's primarily a video game platform so people usually go on there to watch other guys play video games and you know scream at their screens and and you know give comments and stuff melissa stood out by being you know a musician and being different when she first started over over a year ago and what i like the most about twitch is they already have the culture. They've already been trained. It's already in the culture of the platform that if you like something, you give them money. If you like what the creator is making, you there's a virtual tip jar. It's already integrated. You don't have to train them to do it. You don't have to figure out how to ask for money without sounding like a sellout or sounding sleazy. Like many artists who are, are not natural salespeople are having to figure out how to do on Instagram Live, Facebook Live, et cetera
0: it's already kind of baked into the culture which is good.
1: exactly. No one no regular person goes on Facebook and and thinks to themselves, "Hmm, I wonder what I'm going to spend money on today." Yeah. But with Twitch, that's always in the back of their mind. It's the same idea. You can walk into a store with the intent of just looking, but you're not going to be scandalized if you end up um seeing something you like
0: and buying it. Yeah. I really like the way that even though as you noted that, you know, music, Twitch was primarily a video game or platform, it it is sort of a cool development to see how musicians are kind of slowly taking it over. And they're doing some really cool creative things with it. Uh, One of our favorite guests on this program, Mary Amber, has basically just restructured her whole career around Twitch lately. And she uses it not just for live streaming performances, but She'll do songwriting sessions on Twitch where she'll stream herself writing a song and she'll even take suggestions from her fans about what lyric I can use here. Oh, what rhymes with table? Let me know. Um, And and so it's not just a way for fans to watch you perform, but it's a it's an instrument for fan engagement. They can really become part of your career and see you develop. And I mean, that's such a really cool development. And when you couple that with what you spoke about, Clarence, this this culture of supporting artists financially that already exists on the platform it's a pretty cool place to, to get some things done so um, sorry
1: you can, it, the podcast cannot see me nodding in agreement
0: <laughs> um, so let me narrate that That's I am a, nodding
1: in agreement <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right so we talked about twitch we talked about live streaming we talked about covid all important subjects I want to talk about you now because this oh, is, this is your third appearance and we, we've had you third on an annual. Time. Third annual, and I'm going to sound like an old person when I say this. And so I I preface it up front by saying it's good. I'm going to sound like really okay boomery, although I'm still a millennial, damn it. Um, But I've gotten to watch you sort of grow up a little bit on this, you know, seeing you on this podcast. Uh, Your brand sort of matured, it's come of age. And and I think I've come of age. I've come of (laughs) age. And and so I think there's a lesson in all that because I think a lot of the artists who listen to this show, they're growing up, right? Who they were five years ago is not who they are now. And I think your brand has done a pretty good job of aging along with you. And so I think you might have some great insight to share with other artists about how to make sure that your brand still kind of remains appropriate to your current phase in life.
1: Yeah, I mean, think of it in artist terms, especially th- you all – can name some, an artist who got really big when they were young, whether it be as a cute child performer, as a sweet teenager, or, you know, as a sexy 20 something who is trying to do that way too late and they aren't adapting. They aren't evolving. They are not aging gracefully. Um, I will give Madonna as an example, (laughs) not aging gracefully. And she's still incredibly talented, but I don't think doing the sexy dance and that routine is where her strengths lie anymore. And I think if she had some self-reflection and was able to pivot, adapt, because all her fans have grown up with her, they're going to love her no matter what and take them with her. She would be so much more respected and have a better time doing it and be able to have even more longevity in her career. And that's really something I was looking at in terms of myself. I mean, I, I started as a a singer songwriter. I evolved into a blogger and now into a business, but I mean, I launched the pop of color uh, just as a blog when I was 19, you know? So I would, and it was really like this cute little thing where I was talking about music business concepts and explaining them in offbeat colorful way ways to musicians. And while my, personality the core of myself hasn't changed at all like I'm I'm still very extroverted I'm still optimistic I'm still like over the top and you know witty and I love to tell stories in my in my writing and explanations I'm in my mid-20s now and I can't play that do the cutesy little thing forever so I've got to figure out where to take my brand I figuring out where I'm going with it and bring my audience with me because they're growing up with me and hopefully I don't want to lose them. I don't want to give them whiplash and so on and so forth. Oh. So I'm like, I'm thinking at like some of the early articles I wrote where I was talking about, you know, how, um, your, your independent musician brand is like a designer handbag <laughs> or, you no, know, no, I'm thinking of like those, comparisons. um, sync licensing deals are the Tinder dates of the music industry. <laughs> Oh, I remember Reddit absolutely hating that one. (laughs) You know, not only have I grown up and I want to talk about, get into deeper dives, but you know, my scope, my awareness of the world has changed. I mean, one of the big recent articles that I've done was on universal basic income as an economic concept and how it could restructure the grant program for musicians and for artists in a society. Um, I talked about the Cambridge Analytica scandal, where that this was the one where um, this company was taking Facebook users' data and using it to influence the United States 2016 election. Um,
0: I think there's something and- to be said for that, right? It's it's staying true to who you are. You know that hasn't changed. You know some of the core aspects of you haven't changed, but. You know, understanding that 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 you're older now, you're more mature. You you look at the world differently, and your brands changed accordingly. And that's something that you and other artists can can uh, always do in their career. So exactly. Um, let me let me ask you one more question before we get to the any last tips question that I'm particularly excited to ask you because you always have great answers for it. I want to talk to you about social media because you've always been one of my favorite advice givers in the music industry about like how to make social media posts and how to make social media posts when you just can't think of anything to post, but you still want to make sure that, you know, you're engaging with your fans. And I feel like that's a particularly poignant crisis for many musicians right now who've been home for two, three, four weeks, haven't been able to tour and yet still want to engage on social media, but don't have a lot of news to report for art artists who are kind of in that situation right now. What advice would you give them? I think twofold. First, when
1: you are home as an artist, but so are all your fans. And I think this is a great time to get to know them better. Um, To do that sort of two-way street interaction stuff. Two-way street, get to know them. Secondly, that's what the algorithms are really loving right now. You know that Instagram took away showing the number of likes. They're showing us that they care more about going back and forth in comments, people engaging, people having deep, meaningful discussions. And you're seeing this across a lot of platforms, how it's definitely being favored that you're going back and forth. You're having meaningful discussions. You're getting to know your audience and creating, you've got the time to create meaningful relationships with them. The platforms are favoring them. You don't need to have a picture of you on stage with a guitar where you are untouchable. Relate to your fans. Have a conversation with them. Yeah. Even li- when you're, even when you're live streaming, like the artist you mentioned right before, like she isn't always performing. She's interacting with them. She's talking to them. She's getting their opinions on stuff.
0: Uh, it reminds me of what Ariel Hyatt often says about social media. Is two of the most important things that you can be doing on social media that most artists don't do enough is interacting with social media, not on social media, not just making it a one-way street of you talking and, you know, not listening. And the other piece of it is being authentic on the platform, you know, not being untouchable, but, you know, really being your true self and people responding to that. And what better time to interact with others and to really be authentic about the way the world is than where we are currently right now? Like, this is not the time to be fake. And this is not the time to talk without listen because we all, you know, we're all in the same situation together, and we all want to hear from each other. So, as an artist, it sounds to me like that's the way artists should be responding right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am very open with my community. If I were fake, I wouldn't have mentioned all the things I talked about at the beginning, how like I was like freaking out about groceries. But by doing that, people know that I'm not untouchable. It builds a trust. It builds a bond, and. Like if any if this COVID thing has taught me anything, it's how close and how important community is, both whether it be a fan artist relationship or whether it be your neighbors in your building. Wow. Um what, people don't buy music. The reason they spend money on an artist is because they're buying into them. They're bu- they're supporting them. They're bu- they're they're wanting to invest in them and the relationship and the experiences that they're going to get by Supporting this artist and helping them continue to create and continue to impact their lives.
0: Those were incredible stories that you shared at the beginning. By the way, like that was truly authentic and and so uh, you know we should probably uh, describe you as a uh, you know music brand expert, creative entrepreneur, and expert for resourceful. <laughs> yes, um, Clarence Sharon here with us, everybody. Uh, so uh, give us that website again. Is it popofcolormusic.com?
1: Yeah, I, I own popofcolormusic.com you and without a you oh. pop of because right. I want to I one of my big things is I'm going beyond music now
0: well once well. again
1: along with growing up my brand I I realized a lot of I love working with musicians they're my favorite but so much of what there's so much us mu- musicians us creatives can teach other industries that I want to bring it there well I mean imagine if the power of being authentic could be brought to our politicians.
0: (laughs) Boy, would that be useful. Um, Really, really great advice. And listeners, I definitely recommend you check the website out. Not only are the services that he provides excellent, but the blog's really cool. It's one of my favorite blogs uh, Clarence explains things about the music industry that are usually dry and complicated in a way that's fun and interesting, and you know, and you would know because you're a music lawyer. <laughs> I, I know, and, and and you know, my job is to you know explain these difficult concepts. And like many lawyers, uh, I don't get to explain them in a fun way because lawyers aren't fun. But you're fun, and so uh, people should check out your blog. One last question before we let you go this week: Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Ooh, ooh I've, I've, I thought the social
1: media one was pretty good. It's um, pretty solid, not going to lie. Okay, right now, budgeting is going to be super important. It's not as musically focused, but this is something I figured out oh, um, in a panic, and I'd like to help you not figure out in a panic. Um, take a look at all your monthly expenses, and I want you to put them into three categories. The first category is things you absolutely need to, spe- you need to have. You need to... S- procure and you have to spend money on them. So if your phone company is not going to waive fees, you can't trade a loaf of bread with them. That's the money category. And you're, and, you probably and that's where could you're, you're resourceful and, but and you're going to have to figure out how to get, get that amount of cash. The next things are things you need, but you can either negotiate. You can barter for them. You can delay them. You can pay half and half. So, depending on where you live, you might be able to talk to your landlord and see about paying half and half now. Um, groceries, like in the beginning, these are things you can f- figure out with your neighbors, with your local community. And the last are things that are fun purchases that you can, absolutely can cut right now. And you, if you are struggling, because I know most of you are due to the lack of gigs, this is where you cut for the time being, I guess. Uh,
0: uh, Great insight, really important. And uh, don't worry, uh, once this is all over, we're all going to have a lot more fun to make up for lost time. Clarence, thank you so much for joining us this week. It is always awesome to talk to you. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast.